Welcome to the Managing Miscarriage Podcast. I am Melissa Whitman, founder of the nonprofit One Generation and our current initiative, Managing Miscarriage. We help women through the heartbreak of miscarriage, and as a nonprofit, we run completely on donations. Our services help thousands of women, so please support us by donating through our website, managingmiscarriage.com. Thank you for tuning in. I'm here today with Christy, who's joining me from California to share her story about her recent miscarriage. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you for doing this. So take us back to this pregnancy and, and what it was like. And was it was your first pregnancy? Yeah. Okay. Um, so my husband and I have been together for 12 years. Um, I'm 33 and he's 42. And he has a child from a uh, previous situation. I don't even want to call it a relationship, but um, he's not from the United States. And so his um, daughter uh, is 16. And so he's kind of always been a father type, but um, always wanted to actually have a a family where he could be more involved. And so from a very early point in our relationship, um, we met when I was in college and I had grand plans of doing Peace Corps or medical school or something. So um, for me, I always was kind of on a path to do you know you finish your education you buy a house you get married or or you get married then you buy a house then you have a kid so it was all very much like on a schedule for me um but for him he's wanted a child um that he could be an active part of uh the raising of for a very long time and so um i ended up going to vet school actually up in canada and so um he stayed in southern california while i was gone. So we were long distance for that four year period of time. And then we came back or I came back and then we got married. Um, and so then at that point, um, I was, you know, officially, well, I would say officially working, but with, uh, veterinary medicine, there's a lot of, um, like extra training you can do. And so I did a additional rotating internship. Um, that was like just crazy, crazy hours, um, for the first year we were living together again, and then we got married. And so trying to establish, you know, kind of a normal life, but anyway, long story short, um, we had been kind of trying to, to start a family after we got married about four years ago, um, kind of off and on, but with the stress of, uh, kind of where my career training has taken both of us, um, over the last four years, it's been, um, probably impact negatively impacting our ability to, to conceive. Um, and then we had some health issues with my, my father and then he, he died. Um, so there was a lot of kind of stress put on both, I think on both of our parts, I'd say I was wanting my dad to be a part of, um, our potential child's, uh, upbringing. I'd never met my grandfather. So for me, it was when he was sick, I was more focused on that. So I think we had been trying for a long time, but, Um, So many extenuating circumstances interfered. So finally, when we got pregnant, um, I had been tracking my uh, like ovulation and periods and I was always very regular, Um, but we had been tracking. So I knew when, when I was four days late, I knew that there was a reason for it. And so this was the first, first positive pregnancy test, even though many scares, this was the first one. And so we were very excited, even though the timing, I, I hear the timing is never perfect, but um, in this case, it would have been challenging, but we were excited because um, since it took us so long uh, with, you know, trying for so many years, I was excited that we actually got to that point where we were able to conceive. So, um, yeah, it was mostly just excitement and kind of shock and wanting to do everything right. And so the analytical part of me 
um, was very much like, okay, well, let's read all the, all the books we need to, you know, find from whatever sources and make sure we look at all the, um, you know, like American Pediatric Association, like website, make sure we do everything absolutely to the book, because that's kind of always the way I've operated. Um, so when, when, well, I guess, yeah, that kind of takes us to, yeah, the beginning part. Um, so kind of in all that preparation, um, a lot of, a big part of the preparation was trying to make sure that we figured out where we were going to deliver. And I had kind of always thought about my birth plan from a very early point. So, um, one of my really dear friends has, um, her daughter now is three. And so she was kind of my first close friend to have had a child. And so I've kind of been, um, kind of admiring her journey through the whole, or the previous three years. Um, and so she had her, well, she's now had three children, but two of them she's had um, at a birthing center. And so I knew that, that was something that kind of resonated with me. Um, so we had, my husband and I had actually toured birthing centers. We um, discussed with some midwives, a home birth, and we had done a tour of um, a big hospital that had a birthing center. So we were kind of doing all the things kind of theoretically now looking back, um, counting our chickens before they, before they totally had hatched. So, um, yeah. Right. But I mean, you're so excited, right? Like so you're excited. waiting and you're like, Oh my gosh, it happened. And especially in the first pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the statistics are there, but it's, it's just not on your mind. Not at all. Not at all. And so in the beginning too, um, I didn't really tell anybody at work. Um, didn't tell my family. Cause I was thinking, okay, well, you know, like let's make sure everything, everything, you know, follows suit. And so um, had scheduled my appointment for the eight week ultrasound. Um, and kind of leading up to that was trying to get everything in place, making sure I was taking my prenatals and, you know, drinking all my milk to make sure I don't usually like to drink milk, but for whatever reason, that was something that I was like, okay, I need to drink milk to make sure my baby's going to have strong bones. And so doing all these things. And so it didn't really occur to me, even though I kind of knew, but, um, didn't really occur to me that, that it could potentially not pan out. Um, so I actually ended up starting to spot and, um, and how far along? um, probably five or uh, actually, I think by the time we took the pregnancy test, I think at that point I was four and a half weeks technically. Um, cause I knew the, the most likely conception date. So yep. I think it was about six, maybe six weeks that I started to spot and of course, I was texting my friend who had gone through multiple pregnancies, and she and I are very candid with our um, like bodily everything. So um, was texting her back and forth, and she was like, "Well, if it's you know light, then it's probably normal." And then at this point too, I had already um, signed up for all those like bump apps and whatever the other you know all those like yeah what to expect apps, whatever those things are. And so I was also looking on there to see if anybody else had any kind of spotting, and didn't really see a whole lot of people mentioning or discussing it with any, any kind of like information that was of help. So obviously I, (laughs) instead of doing what I always um, hate my clients do, instead of looking online, I ended up calling my doctor and was like, okay, so (laughs) right. Yeah. Um, So at that point they were like, well, go ahead and get your HCG levels measured. And then we'll see if, you know, when you get your levels, if they're positive, or at least if they're elevated, we'll know that yes, you in fact are pregnant, but then the most important is going to be to see if it doubles uh, two days later. So, um, kind of did all of that. And then the levels did in fact double. So at that point, 
they were saying, okay, well, it, everything looks good. Uh, you're probably fine. It is normal to have some kind of spotting, but don't worry because everything's progressing the way it needs to. So we'll see your eight week visit. And then shortly after that, I actually, um, I had a work conference in Hawaii and my husband and I already had planned on kind of turning the first part of it into a vacation, um, which now also thinking in retrospect was probably the worst place to go because I couldn't eat raw fish. I couldn't have any Mai Tais. And so I couldn't go scuba diving. And so it was pretty much all these things that I was trying to make sure, okay, I'm, you know, planning for this baby on our little vacation. I think so much of it too, there was quite a bit of stress trying to make sure I did everything right. And um, definitely I overthought overthought the whole thing and so he and I were kind of arguing um you know off and on because I wanted him to enjoy his trip because we were on technically vacation even if I couldn't have a Mai Tai I wanted him to make sure he was still enjoying it so um and I think too there was also stress with trying to figure out okay and how are we going to afford this baby um because that is always a thing that oh, I yeah. think about you know like mm-hmm. well we started to look at car seats and already that was when kind of reality hit and I was like oh my gosh we need to figure figure out how we're going to save so maybe don't have a Mai Tai don't do your scuba trip whatever it was so um, we had argued and I continued to spot while we were in Hawaii um, and actually for whatever reason before we left I packed three extra pregnancy tests in my suitcase um, I don't know if that was kind of just me thinking well if anything comes up I want to make sure that I still have a positive pregnancy test, not thinking that I'm sure it'll be positive for a long time, regardless, you know, of what happens. But so I took a couple tests along the way um, while we were there to kind of just make sure I was still pregnant because I continued to spot. But then I had that kind of assurance in the back of my head that my HCG levels had elevated. Uh, My doctor said everything was fine. So everything was probably going to be fine. Um, So my husband, I think at that point was already uh, he was journaling, bless his heart, journaling to the baby. Um, and we were talking about, you know, like talking kind of to this theoretical child that, you know, at that point was probably not even with a heartbeat. So um, while we were in Hawaii and like writing the baby's potential names in the sand. So we were already there. We were totally there. And we came back and then had um, our eight week. Well, actually, at that point, I think it was shortly around Mother's Day when then I decided to tell my mom. Um, and, um, my sister, one of my sisters already knew, um, kind of ahead of time. And so at that point she had actually sent me a mother's day card. Um, and that was kind of when we decided to tell our family, knowing that our eight week ultrasound was going to be uh, a day or two after that. And so we get to the doctor's office. Um, again, this is after we had toured all the birthing centers and kind of already had in our minds that we weren't going to necessarily deliver with this particular gynecology group. Um, but we wanted to go there because I had um, previously had two, um, they're called leaks, but they're, uh, it's like a, a, I forget what it actually stands for, but it's um, a procedure to remove abnormal cells on the cervix secondary to um, HPV virus. So Um, I always had kind of worried that I was going to have difficulty with pregnancy because of that, but I kept getting reassurance that, nope, it'll be fine. So anyway, we ended up following up there for our first visit because of the um, history that they had on me. So we get there and check in. My husband's there. We're super excited. And um, I had kind of done some reading beforehand that you want to make sure you go with a full bladder so they can visualize everything. I expected they were going to be doing a transvaginal ultrasound. Um, And so we get there. I'm like, I totally have a very full bladder trying to fill out paperwork um, about family medical history. And then they, um, one thing that sticks out, because now this is probably two and a half months, two, maybe two months ago, this all kind of happened. And they wanted our email address so they could send us our photos from the ultrasound. So we're filling all that paperwork out. 
um, cute pregnant ladies all in the, the waiting room. Um, and I'm just mostly uncomfortable, but nervous, anxious, excited. And so anyway, um, we go in and have the ultrasound. And at that point, you know, we go through the questionnaire first. And so I'm sitting on the table and then uh, the nurse practitioner, I was kind of turned off by her just kind of in discussing because at that point, my mind was on birth plan, making sure I figure out where I'm going to deliver. Never mind, is the baby viable? So, because um, I just kind of assumed everything was going to be fine. So we get there and she's um, doing the ultrasound. And um, right away, she, like, as soon as she starts the ultrasound, she screams, oh, I see a baby. And so at that point, I get really excited. And that was kind of the first time I felt like, okay, now this is for real. Um, and I had studied radiology in vet school, not something I excel at because that's not what I practice on a daily basis now, but I knew what a beating heart would theoretically look like. Um, and so as she's sitting there looking, um, my bladder is super uncomfortable and I'm sitting here, you know, at that point I start sweating and then I just kind of looked up and they had, um, the images to look or kind of the screens to look at the, uh, ultrasound on both the, both sides of the, the room actually. So the mother could look at it as she's laying down and then the, clinician can look at it actually on the monitor. So my husband was sitting kind of behind her. And so he's just kind of looking with this big smile on his face and I'm looking and I'm thinking, I'm not convinced. And so I said that and didn't realize I said that out loud. And then at this point, the nurse practitioner who was seeing me said, yeah, neither am I. Let's get a second opinion from uh, an OB to like come in and, and double check. And so at that point I was, you know, I think, fear set in and then guilt set in right away because of all the fighting my husband and I were doing when we were in Hawaii and kind of the bickering and then I yeah so I'm at that point um, I actually ended up um, asking if I could use the restroom and the staff was like oh sure that's fine go ahead so I go and I come back 20 so minutes later the OB comes in she's like okay so I understand I need to double check um, because we're not sure if we can find a heartbeat Um, they were able to see the fetal pole um, and I did see a structure, like kind of a elongated structure, um, in a sack. And so I assumed that whatever that was, was probably the fetus, but there was no heartbeat at that point. Um, so the OB, after I'd gone to the restroom, uh, it ended up, she wasn't able to find anything again on the ultrasound. And so at that point she was really, she had a much better bedside manner than the first person. Um, and so, even though she was kind of awkward, she put her hand on my leg and like right there. And then I'm kind of just in shock. no other emotion really was, uh, I don't remember feeling necessarily sad. I think I was just like, okay, well now what, now what's plan B, C and D, you know, kind of still going in my analytical, like, okay, this, if this, then that. And so she was like, well, maybe you went to the bathroom and that's why we, you know, like things shifted and now we can't see, maybe you're too early. Um, even though whatever the structure was initially was measuring at like seven and a half ish weeks, uh, with the first nurse practitioner. So, I kind of figured like, well, in the back of my head, mm, you're probably just trying to make me feel better. Let's wait a week, repeat the ultrasound. But at that point, I was kind of thinking like, well, okay, it's probably, it probably is a miscarriage. Um, I never really had the, like, I wasn't feeling nauseous. I think in the beginning, before we told anybody, I was tired, but I commute for my job. So I'm always tired when I get home. Um, so it's hard to really assess if that was exhaustion associated with pregnancy. Um but anyway, so I never really felt pregnant. And so I think at that point I was reflecting, you know, without seeing a heartbeat, I was reflecting on everything that theoretically could have gone wrong or all the signs I should have picked up on that something was wrong. Um, so we repeated the ultrasound a week later and then 
they uh, saw the yolk sac, but no fetal pole, no heartbeat. Um, and so basically gave me the options and kind of discussed, like, okay, well, what do you want to do? Um, and at that point, they offered the uh, kind of benign neglect, basically just waiting it out. But because I commute again, um, and as a veterinarian, don't want to be in a situation where I'm in an exam room with a client and all of a sudden something comes up where I have to leave. Um, so that wasn't an option I wanted to consider. Um, they mentioned a DNC, but with my history of um, having the leaks beforehand, even though it doesn't necessarily correlate with ability to carry a pregnancy full term for the same reason as DNC scarring potentially would complicate, um, I elected not to do the DNC. So uh, because I was early enough along, uh, I chose to do the mesoprostol medical management. Um, yeah. So that was a whole experience, which. Okay. Yeah. So at this point you are going in for your eight week ultrasound. They measure, did you say that they measured the baby at seven and a half weeks? Yeah. For the, the first time they measured it at seven and a half weeks. Okay. Okay. But you were feeling relatively okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's, those are always questions I get. <laughs> how far along? How? Yeah. Um, just so we can summarize that for the listeners. All right. So you decided, totally makes sense. You decided with the medicated route because then yeah. you have a little control over it. So right. then what? Did you do it right away? Yeah. Tell us so about that. At this point, it was kind of going into Memorial Day weekend. Um, so it was nice because I actually had the Monday off already from work and I happened to have Tuesday off as well. Um, the big rain on the parade, I mean, aside from the fact that we wanted this baby so badly and now having to go through all of this, you know, and then kind of just seeing, oh, now we have to go through this. Hopefully we got pregnant again and just kind of seeing this big journey of angst and disappointment ahead of us. Oh, yeah. My mother-in-law. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's terrible. Um, and totally not something I ever expected to have to go through and had no idea how to cope with. Oh. So on top of all of that, my mother-in-law, who I don't particularly have a relationship or a positive relationship with, uh, was scheduled to come on that Tuesday. Um, so I figured, okay, well, it's definitely important for me to take care of this before she comes. So, um, yeah, I had planned basically to, I forget, I think the day we had the confirmation, the second ultrasound, uh, my husband and I went and had margaritas actually that, that afternoon. So we're like, well, screw it. Like at least try to, you know, like ease yeah. our minds a little bit. So we went and had margaritas and I was feeling so guilty, but anyway. Um, so then the following day I actually ended up working. Um, it was a Saturday. So I was unavailable to, to go pick up the medications and start anything. I had plans that afternoon or that morning into the early afternoon and went to go pick up the medications from the pharmacy. Of course, they closed two minutes beforehand. So I had the whole plan of like taking the medications at three in the morning because I had um, done some reading online and also mesoprostol is a medication we actually use in veterinary medicine. Um, so one of my girlfriends is um, she's actually studying to be a reproduction specialist for animals. And so I was talking to her and trying to extrapolate, which was a stupid idea, but you know, we do what we do silly. <laughs> we things, try to so. control what we can. <laughs> exactly. And so um, I actually had posted a, a little thing on this Facebook group. That's a bunch of veterinarians who are also moms and just kind of said, Hey, um, you know, I don't know if anybody has any experience with mesoprostol, but this is the situation wondering if anybody has any suggestions or any kind of like feedback at all. Um, just kind of like, you know, 
what are your thoughts? Just kind of trying to look for somebody else who had been through the situation because nobody else, my mom had had a miscarriage, but no one else. Um, actually, I think hers was natural, natural passing. My girlfriend, uh, I had one girlfriend that also had one. But otherwise, most people I had spoken to hadn't experienced it personally and definitely not with medical management. So I kind of had a schedule put in place based on what people had um, posted um, as far as how long it would take before things started to happen. So I wanted to take the medications early Sunday morning, but I couldn't because the pharmacy was closed. So that pushed everything back. So then um, two, so basically Sunday, two days after we had kind of gotten the confirmation ultrasound, I planned to uh, take the mesoprostol. And at that point, um, my doctor had suggested taking some, I think the whole, the whole dose so 600 micrograms vaginally. And she said it probably will take, you know, five, six, eight hours. Um, so, you know, have some ibuprofen on hand and she had prescribed some Norco. So was just like, okay, just make sure everything is like in place in case, uh, you know, like you're in so much pain that your husband has to try to take care of things. So, you know, some people have a lot of hemorrhage and it can be very scary. So make sure you have like the nearest urgent care available, you know, have their phone number, have your insurance card available. And so of course all these things were freaking me out, but I kind of appreciate, I think she kind of knew that I needed to have all of the potential information available because that's kind of the way I operate anyway. So um, I was just kind of sitting there and right before I took it, um, my husband came up and he was, oh my gosh, amazing through this whole experience. And I expected him to be angry at me and blame me and uh, that was totally not the case. And I, I, the whole experience actually made us grow stronger together. So I think for that, I'm grateful. But um, I think that the only time I really had tremendous emotion was right before I took the medications. Because I think up until that point, it was just kind of like, okay, well, this is what's going to happen. But until I was in that moment, actually making that conscious decision to kind of get everything passing and kind of, even though it technically was kind of already ended, I was doing something about it. And so having that kind of control freaked me out. And so I just was, I think at that point I started sobbing. It was just like uncontrollable, just horrible. It was, it was terrible. My poor husband. Um, And so we were just like sobbing together and just like, Oh, this is horrible. We're now at this point so sad. And I was like so afraid of all the hemorrhage and it was just, I think all the anticipation, the, the sadness, the guilt, everything was all just adding up and everything just came to a head at that moment. So um, nothing happened, of course, after I um, inserted them. Um, then maybe five and a half liters or so, um, I started to pass actually what looked like the, the pills that were softened. So um, through this whole experience, too, I was kind of expecting that I could potentially submit whatever tissue I ended up passing for chromosomal testing. Um, and so every time I would kind of feel like maybe something would happen, I would like be prepared with, you know, like, a bag to pretty much like grab whatever kind of tissue I could potentially find. So this whole thing was, I think overall very, I tried to make it very methodical, um, which I think helped me in the moment, but um, wasn't really prepared for the emotional uh, roller coaster of what happens if nothing happens, which is essentially what happened that Sunday night. Um, I called the on-call doctor because I had bled a little bit, but it wasn't nearly, it was nothing close to even just a regular period. So I figured it probably I would be expecting much more bleeding than a regular period. So I called them and they said, Hey, you know, uh, just call back tomorrow. See if anything happens overnight. It's probably fine. If you pass the pills, whatever absorbed probably was, you know, whatever you needed to absorb probably already absorbed. So don't worry about doing anything 
like reinserting them or anything. So um, I just kind of played the waiting game. And then the following morning was Memorial Day. And um, I tried to reach the on-call OB, but the phone lines, like the voice message had been not set for a weekend or holiday to connect to the on-call line. So I just kind of felt like, oh my gosh, now I can't reach anybody. What do I do? Do I take another dose? Yeah. And so of course I was losing it. Um, And then through deductive reasoning realized, okay, well, if I call my primary care group, like hospital group, they have an on-call service. Maybe she can get a message to my doctor because I knew my doctor was going to be on call at one of the local hospitals anyway, just kind of in conversation previously. So long story short, was able to get a message to my doctor through another one, through another one. So she called me back, which was good. Um, And at that point, she recommended taking another dose, the same thing, but orally. And so that happened around noon on Memorial Day. So it was frustrating because I had all these plans of dealing with all the waiting like in the early hours of the morning. So taking the medications at say three or four and then sleeping while I'm waiting instead of what actually happened, which was waiting with worry and, you know, just waiting the day out. Um, And one thing that I didn't realize and was not at all prepared for was the tremendous amount of GI upset with taking the medications orally. Um, It was interesting. Yeah. Um, because I didn't experience any kind of upset GI, like no vomiting, no nausea, no you know diarrhea, nothing when I took it vaginally. But as soon as I took it orally, there was no bleeding at all. But I did not know what was going to explode from what orifice. It was horrible. And so I think that was actually the day my mother-in-law came in that night. And so I was pretty much just staying at home near the bathroom, waiting for something to happen. But of course, the stress of like, oh, great. And now of all people to come somebody I don't feel close to at all. I don't feel comforted by her. My husband, I think, did appreciate that she was there to help comfort him. But she was just, I kind of just viewed it as one extra person involved in the bathroom in case I need it. And so that was just one more thing I didn't need, but had to deal with. So nothing really happened um, Monday. So Tuesday morning, um, my that was the day after Memorial Day, my doctor's office was open. And so I called them again in the morning as soon as they opened. And um, let them know, hey, nothing happened, but I, you know, I was vomiting everywhere and I feel horribly sick, super nauseous. So they prescribed some ondansetron for nausea um, and then recommended that I either go in for a DNC potentially, which I was trying to avoid because of the potential for scar tissue in the uterus, um, whether or not it's justified or, you know, or validated, I don't know, but I was worried about that. So they said, well, you could take a higher dose of mesoprostol you could just take it orally. And at that point I was like, no way, absolutely not. Not going to repeat that. Um, and the only time I actually had any kind of success with the mesoprostol was when I took it vaginally the first time. So whether it's right or wrong, I decided to change the dose up myself. And so of the 800 they prescribed, I took 600 orally and 200 vaginally. And so, um, again, kind of feeling like in the moment, like this is like, I hate clients that are doing what I'm doing right now, but at that point, I was just like, I just need this to be done. Um, and so actually at that point or on that day, um, I had, luckily I was off work already. Um, so I didn't have to worry about changing things around for that. But um, I had a haircut scheduled that afternoon. And so um, I ended up um, thinking, okay, well, it's going to take some time before any of this gets going. Um, and so, you know, I was trying to like keep my mind occupied. And then this time, everything like GI wise, everything just happens like without any kind of real warning. Luckily I was home at that point, but 
um, all in all about five hours after the massive GI signs and the vomiting and everything. Um, then I started to pass, or I started hemorrhage. And then um, probably about seven hours or so later, I actually passed the placenta. Um, and of course, this is every time I would get up to go to the bathroom, I would have to, well, I didn't have to, but I would dig into the toilet to make, make sure that whatever tissue I was passing, trying to kind of wait and watch for when was I actually passing tissue versus just blood clots. Um, and then trying oh to gosh. save whatever I could for chromosomal testing. It was just yeah. so degrading. The whole experience was just oh. terrible. And the cramping was bad. And yeah, it was on one hand because I'd wanted to do a natural labor. Um, I kind of thought, well, maybe if I don't take any pain medications, I can kind of see if I'm next time around able to have a natural labor. But never mind, this was not even, you know, just not passing a baby, just passing tissue at this point, like small bits of tissue because I was so early. Um, and it was just so painful. So my gosh, my heart goes out to women <laughs> who actually get to the point where they can have a baby and I will do say, that without medical management. I will say just for when you get to this point, having done both, it's very different when you have the excitement of you're about to push out a baby. <laughs> so don't That's sell true. yourself short. Don't sell yourself short. Cause I've yeah. definitely been on both ends. I'm like, Oh my gosh. So yeah, there's something to show for if it. You ever choose to do it. Should you choose? And of course you don't have to, I have full confidence that you'd be able to, but anyway, what a ride. Okay. So this is over. I'm trying to count the days now Four like a four day, four, yeah, four and a half okay. day period. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. And were you able to like yeah. even anything to try to keep your strength up or did it just well funny enough yeah I think the only thing I wanted to eat was flaming hot Cheetos so not really sustenance <laughs> but I think that was just That's like so- maybe enough for my mental like emotional eating probably hey whatever at that point know. yeah so you were yeah. able to I mean going through this every time to try to find the tissue so you were able to do that Sorry, say that one more time. You were able to uh, to find the tissue and to take it out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then yeah. once and you passed the biohazard bag from work, so I stuck okay. it in. Um, okay. Later, find out that it, you can't do testing on tissue unless it's fresh. So it was all all that degrading toilet grabbing for nothing. Oh. <sighs> Which added a whole nother level of like, where is my dignity? <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh yeah. my gosh. Okay. So then once you passed the tissue, did things ease up? Um, it, it took about three and, and a half, four hours before the cramping got better or okay. more manageable. So I was using heating pads and that was hugely helpful. Yeah. Um, taking hot baths, hot showers. And I think after that point, I felt like, okay, well, at least I'm not having, I think I also just felt such immense relief that I, in my mind, didn't have to have a DNC, which was kind of what I was avoiding for whatever reasons, you know? So I felt like, okay, finally something worked and now I can move on with my life. But, um, yeah. Okay. And then you're about two and a half months out from this whole thing. Now, how long did you bleed after that? Probably about a week, week and a half. Uh, No, probably about yeah, maybe a week, week and a half. Okay. Um, which I think is pretty, it sounds like pretty typical. Yep. 
Yep. And did did they do a follow up ultrasound, or did they feel like you had cleared everything out and it was good? Yeah, they did a follow up ultrasound at that point. They did, and then they wanted to track my HCG levels. And so, funny enough, I actually um, it still it was still elevated, and so I think that was such a weird trip to think like if oh, I were to take a pregnancy so test now, it would still be positive. And yep. my HCG levels actually up until three weeks ago, I still had a positive HCG that they were like, well, you know, wait till you get your next period, which took like, you know, almost two months to get a period. Um, and then at that point, they're like, well, you're probably fine. Now you can probably stop getting these blood tests. And it was horrible, too, because I would be going in for these HCG levels. And this woman, you know, for the most part, lab technicians are like, you know, they're there to to kind of just do what they need to do, not really converse about whatever lab test you're having. And this woman, um, maybe about a month ago was like, are you hoping for a yes? Are you hoping for a positive? And I just kind of looked at her and was like, I'm going through a miscarriage. And actually the miscarriage was, you know, a month and a half ago. So someday, yeah, I'm hoping for a yes. And just kind of left it at that kind of like, screw you lady. Like not what I really want to talk about. But then I think, yeah, I mean, she was just trying to be nice. I know, but Man, it it stings. <laughs> yeah, salt in the wound. At the time, and then all my friends are having babies. Like you just say, pregnancy, and they're part, you know pregnant with a healthy baby. One of them's due any day now, and it's just like I don't want to be resentful or angry or wish them anything but you know an easy labor and healthy baby. But there's a part of me that's just like, ugh. Yeah. Oh yeah, because everywhere you look, everyone's everywhere. pregnant suddenly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you mentioned a couple times about being very analytical about the process and not really going through the emotions. Have, has there been a time since passing the miscarriage that you really dove into those emotions or mm. what's that like for you right now? Hmm. I think honestly, the most emotion I was kind of waiting and expecting to feel more uh-huh. sadness um, but I think because so much of it was like, if this, then that, and just try to, you know, pass it. And then if it doesn't pass and you've got to do all these other things, the emotion that I felt, I think when I think of like, when I think back to my feelings going through this, I think of when I was laying on the bed before I took the first dose with my husband, just feeling like this is our family, our, our dog, we have two chihuahuas that live with us, like, and are kind of part of the family, but much to his dismay. Um, so the chihuahuas were like on the bed with us. And it was just kind of like in that moment, I just felt like. I'm surrounded by the people that I, that love me and the people that I love or creatures that I love and just felt so vulnerable and safe in that situation. And I think everything kind of came out then. And I feel like it was, I was very fortunate that it was kind of all culminated in that one kind of experience. Since then I've for the most part just kind of felt more acceptance and I've been pretty good at, um, well, I don't know if it's good, but for me, it was very healing to talk to a lot of other people and just kind of yeah. share, you know, on Facebook, I um, probably share more than I maybe other people think that I should, but I posted, I think, a picture of the pregnancy test that was positive um, and said, not every time does this turn into a baby you can hold, but so many women go through, have the excitement of a positive pregnancy test, but then have to go through the the struggle of losing a baby, even if it's not to full term. Um, And then I was just like responded with so many messages and phone calls and text messages of, wow, I'm so you know impressed that you shared that I had to go through the same or I know, you know, so-and-so has been going through that or I've been having fertility issues or X, Y, Z things. And I think it opened up this kind of took the way the the taboo a little bit. And so I think that helped with not feeling the same like emotion 
yeah. that I was kind of expecting to feel afterwards. So it yeah. kind of helped process it all. Oh, what a gift to yourself, yeah. but also to to the people around you. Yeah. Good. Good for you. Yeah. So it's it's just a shame that so many people go through it. The statistics are so high and way higher than they show. Way because higher. Most are, of my four, only one is technically reported. Wow. Medically. Yeah. Maybe two. But my gosh. Right? Because anything that happens early, you know, it's so it's so much, it's even higher than what it shows. So the oh, more people gosh. that start talking about it, it just, it creates space for those, Absolutely. whether it's not, it just creates the space for them not to feel so ashamed. Yeah. And shunned and yeah. like, it's their fault. Even though I still feel guilt. I will admit to that. I still feel like could, did our arguing yeah, and why did that cause normal. anything? Yeah. Everything. Uh, you're going to go, you'll play over every little thing and yeah. Yeah. That's normal. It's normal. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and yeah, being no, thank you so for doing open. This. Yeah. You're, oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. You're very open with your story. And I know there are a lot of details in there that will help a lot of people. Yeah. If, if nothing else, at least expecting that you might be vomiting, you might have diarrhea. Don't be someplace where you don't feel comfortable having <laughs> yes. that situation because I was not prepared yes. at the hairstylist. Horrible. Oh. Yeah. yeah. That, that's like a whole nother level of shittiness. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Quite literally. Oh. Yeah. But thank you so much for doing this. This has been, it's been nice to, even since that experience, to still listen to um, other people's stories. Actually, even on my drive home before this, before our phone call, I was listening to the most recent ones. And it's so nice to feel, or to kind of have this almost like sisterhood with other women yeah. and, you know, you know that you're not by yourself. And yeah, so it's a great thing that you're doing with this. Well, I'm so glad it's been helpful for you. Yeah, absolutely.